It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.07 on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden. This is Walter Reeves, and this is the Georgia Gardener. Here to help you be more successful in your landscape, with your garden, with your trees, with your shrubs, with your house plants, with anything that's growing or not growing, or if you need an excuse to do or need an excuse not to do, we will be delighted to help you through that. If you have some plant that all you know is it's green, that's all you know. It's green. Just be able to tell me it's green, and I will be able to tell you a little bit, a little bit about it. If you can tell me a little bit more, like does it have a flower? If you can tell me if it's a tree or a houseplant, if you can tell me anything more than that, then my friends, I will be able to help you get you uh, on the way to success with your landscape. 404-872-0750, the number on Lawn and Garden. I need to point out to Brother Scott Maxim. Scott? Our software has once again gone boo, 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 and so I'm sure that Scott Max will come in here and figure out why the screener software has gone to way, way, way. When I came in this morning and set everything up, it was not bad. It was doing fine. But here in the studio, just for you to understand what's going on, Ashley Frasca, as you know, screens calls for the show. And so when someone calls, you dial the numbers at 404-872-0750. Ashley answers, hey, how you doing? Welcome to Lawn and Garden Show, and she asks your name, she asks where you're from, and she asks what your question is. Very simple, very easy. And she types those into a computer program, and the computer program then displays on a screen in front of me here in the broadcast studio, and I get to know who's coming up. But sometimes the software is not as reliable as you would think, and so sometimes it just goes down into the tubes, and we have to come in and reset, and Scott Baxman has come in and reset Speaking of Ashley Frasco, somehow the blueberries are on our minds. She brought two blueberries yesterday. She planted them. Where'd you plant them, Ashley? I don't get enough sun yeah. in my yard, or there's already things that are there that sure. I couldn't put the blueberries there, so I put them in pots. Makes an awesome idea. What I can't wait. I've never done them before. Do you, do you remember the name of the ones you got? Uh, Climax Good. and Brightwell. Beautiful. Two rabbit-eye blueberries. Rabbit-eye blueberries are a native blueberry to Georgia. They are very well adapted to the southeast. They just produce no matter what you do to them, pretty much. And so Ashley has done the exact right thing, trying to get them the more sun they could possibly get. And now they're going to have blueberries on her deck or patio, wherever she puts them. Now, you having the chemistry background, yeah. this may be a silly question, but yeah. I've lived in Georgia all my life, so I'm used to the Georgia red clay. Yeah. And that leans more on the acidic side, right? It does. So good. they like acidic soil. I, I brought in a little bit of red clay into the pots <laughs> just with the planting soil. So I hope that did okay. Ashley's getting off the reservation now. <laughs> and she did the right thing. Yay, Ashley. That's exactly what you can do to increase a little bit of the water holding capacity of the pot and to uh, make the pH, make the acidity a little bit uh, I guess you, you say the acidity is higher, but actually the pH is lower, for those of you who remember what your pH was about when you are in 10th or 11th grade in high school, like I do. So uh, anyway, I actually did the exact right thing. Now, myself, I have already have four blueberry plants, which I haven't planted, but they're going in the ground behind the house. 
either this afternoon or tomorrow. I can't decide whether I'm going to wait for it to dry out just a little bit more before I till it up and add my organic matter to my clay soil. I have plenty of clay. Let me tell you, I got the clay. We don't need to add any more. But what I do need to add is some organic matter because one of the things that blueberries dearly, dearly love is to be growing in a very organic soil, which Ashley did just fine with her potting soil and her pots. But for me, I'm going to go back and put some peat moss in because peat moss is both A, organic, and B, it holds moisture and is organic. So I did that too. Get out of here. Yes. <laughs> Ashley's all prouded up about herself and her blueberries yesterday. <laughs> So if you want to plant blueberries, by George, now is the time. Pike has a skadoodledillion of them, and most of them that Pike uh, handles are rabbit-eye blueberries. And rabbit-eye are the ones that are very well adapted to Georgia in the southeast. And note what Ashley did. She planted two different kinds, blue, uh, Climax and Tiff Blue or Bluebell or Brightwell or whatever the other one was. And the reason you do that is because blueberries, as they have been bred and rebred, these rabbit-eyes over the years, have become what scientifically they call self-incompatible. Eh, it just means, well, it basically means they can't accept their own pollen. And so when they can't accept their own pollen, they do accept the pollen from a different variety of that same species. And so she has a climate, she has a bright well, and so she's going to have perfectly good pollination. And the bees and the butterflies and whoever it is that pollinates blueberries will come in and make her have blueberries. So that's why she has two varieties. Now me, I have two rabbit-eye blueberries that I got from Pike, and I have two southern highbush blueberries because I've really never grown them. I've observed them, but I've never grown them myself, and it's always good to have some practical personal experience. And so I have these uh, southern highbush blueberries, and they are blueberries that have been bred with northern, what are they called, northern highbush blueberries, the northern native blueberries, different kind of blueberries than the ones that we have down here. And so they've been interbred with southern blueberries with the northern highbush blueberries to make them adapt to more heat and need less chilling hours during the wintertime. A lot of plants have a requirement for being cold in the wintertime before they'll make their flowers and their fruit for the coming year. And so blueberries in the south don't need many, and by breeding the northern ones with the southern ones, then you get a, a beautiful hybrid. And the great thing about the northern highbush blueberries is they have a tendency to bloom and fruit early. So that's why I'm getting these southern highbush blueberries so they will fruit and bloom a little earlier than the rabbit eyes do in midsummer. <sighs> I will report and tell you what's going on about my blueberries. The other quick thing that I want to note is that if you've been to the grocery store or, for that matter, been to um, a, a, a cocktail party or someplace gathering where they have blueberries in the recent couple of weeks, you will see some enormous I mean humongous, more scientific words there, blueberries. I'm big as the end of your thumb. Big, 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 big. These are great, huge blueberries. Where do they come from? I'm trying to track down how they have been bred. I don't know yet, but I'm going to try to track that down. But most of them come from Chile. And Chile is a big blueberry-producing country in uh, the southern hemisphere, of course. So they have their blueberry harvest time is during the winter. And unlike ours, when we have ours during the summertime, it's their summertime down, down south. And so the Chilean blueberry crop has come in. And there are some enormous, beautiful, delicious Oh, good gosh, that was a great blueberry I popped in my mouth last night. One or two is all you need for a mouthful. It is that much. Woo! 
Good things come to those who wait. Coming to us now from the great place of Griffin, Georgia, our friend Nicole. Nicole, good morning. Mr. Reeves. Miss Nicole, how are you? Fine, fine. Talking about blueberry, yeah. you need to remember that the roots are really hot, they're not down in the yeah, soil. Yeah, so it's important roots. to keep them hydrated, you know, no matter if it's winter or summer. Or, and I have this uh, powder blue, this blue. Yeah, sure. It is a big blueberry. The bush is really small. Right. And I need one that's going to last, you know, after everything is gone. Do you have a name? I don't really because I don't so much sometimes. I know I'm, I know that man on the radio says to read the labels, but sometimes I buy what seems to be available and what looks prettiest in the nursery. And as long as I have the two different varieties and I'm planting in the ground, so I don't worry too much about size. And I mean, you've got the place right over there across the road from you, Nicole, in the yeah, University of Georgia Research Garden, and you can go and ask anybody working in the blueberries at any time and say, hey, what is the right one for my situation? Yeah, I need to go and see a Tony if it didn't, uh, if it's still there. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. they have this big trial, big time trial, you know. Blueberries are the biggest fruit crop in Georgia right now. Millions and millions and hundreds of millions of dollars, and all of it started right there across the road from Nicole at the University of Georgia Experiment Station and the blueberry breeding program that Scott Neesmith runs down there. Is yours the bud already on, on the tree? Oh, yeah, big time. All oh, my buds. stuff is out. I think daffodil, everything is out big time. Uh, you know, it's the, almost the end of February. It is close to the last day of February. And my bet is, Nicole, that we're not going to have anything severely cold. We may have, I mean, there's always a chance, Kirk says, to have a little bit of snow or a little bit of sleet or this, that, and the other. But my bet is we're not going to have any severely cold weather. And if we don't have anything that cold, then the buds and the blooms and everything will do just fine. All bets are off. If the man says, you know, tonight we're going to have a freeze down to 22 degrees, that is when the blueberry people get all hot and bothered. Yeah, some years I put some sheet over it and bore just, you know, and the next morning everything is down the ground, that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, all yeah, this yeah. trouble for nothing. Yeah, you got to make sure that sheet goes all the way to the ground on all sides of your plant, and if you can do that, even a big refrigerator box or something that you can sort of stuff over the plant so that the ground heat can come up underneath. Those are the best ways to, to protect them. The blueberry guys who have, you know, dozens and hundreds of acres down there, they hire helicopters. And the helicopters come and blow wind and circulate the wind up and down so that they don't have a chance for those ice crystals to form on the surface of the blueberry leaves. The wind? Yeah, the wind. That's the, the most dangerous time is when you have a very cold, clear, and calm night. That is when frost forms. And if they can get the wind going round and round and round, many times they can uh, avoid damage to the blueberries. But helicopters, that's what it will put, 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 put all over South Georgia. Oh, I never cold. realized that. Yeah, yeah. I thought they would put some chemical or something. No, are you no? kidding? Just the wind? No, 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 no. Nicole, look at me. I went and talked too long at the beginning of the segment now, and you and I can't visit anymore because I see, I see Scott is in there with his big baseball bat saying, get out, we got to do some commercials here. So we got to go. We always got uh, next week. Next always week. got next week, next week, next Saturday. Always a gardener, always hoping our hearts for next week and next year. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your day, too, Nicole. See you soon. It's 8, 618, and you're listening to Lawn and Garden. 
This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today starts a fantastic gardening weekend in Atlanta. Make plans. Dig, dig, dig. Sunshine all day today. Highs in the upper 50s. Zero chance of rain. Clear skies remaining overnight. Lows dropping into the mid-30s. Tomorrow, even better, into the 60s tomorrow afternoon. Stay tuned. Atlanta's most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes. And don't forget, for in-depth news coverage, you can pick up your Sunday Atlanta Journal-Constitution. $409 worth of coupons. Plus the news. Unbelievable bargain there. Our friend Gene from Bremen, Georgia, joins us. Hey, Gene, good morning. Good morning. What's up? Uh, Thursday, the wind, I have this rhododendron bush. It's about seven foot tall and about eight or nine foot wide. It's a big thing that I've pampered for years. And something happened to it. What happened? It flowed over. The whole shrub? The it, the roots is not completely out of the ground, uh, but it broke one of the stalks off. Yeah. What can I do to save it? Uh, number one, prune the stalk off because that's no longer going to be able to be reattached or anything like that. Number two, take a shovel and go under the the half of the roots that sort of tipped out of the ground, the part that's loose and sort of slanted upwards, and dig underneath that and save the dirt over to the side so that you can bend the shrub back so the root ball that's up in the air can sort of flop back into the hole that you dug, and then use the soil that you reserve to the side to put over the top of those roots and pack everything down in there. And if you're really wanting to make sure it doesn't flop over again, which it might if it's big like you described, I think you should use a stake. You can drive a stake in the ground a couple of feet and a couple of feet maybe above the ground and use something real wide, something like an old leather belt you get from Goodwill, uh-huh. and uh, use that to hold it up for at least a year. And the roots then will regrow into the soil around, re-anchor themselves, and hopefully never get blown away again. The stake you can take up in a year. Should I mix any uh, miracle grow pot and soil anything in with it, would that help? It might help a little bit, but I'm not saying it's going to be the best thing you could ever do. What it really wants is just back in the ground oh. and um, the same sort of environment it's been growing in. Sounds like it was good to grow for that, so I don't think you need to add much of anything. But if you, you, know, if you had a little bit in the garage or someplace, Gene, go ahead and mix it in. It'd be all right with me. Hey, Gene, thanks for calling. It's great talking to you again. We got hoops coming up. We got David and Tucker with Joe Pieweed. Jared wants to talk about his fescue side. Elaine has crepe myrtles and bumps on the trunk. And Kelly needs that age-old question: What kind of grass to plant? She needs that question answered. We'll be back right after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 6.35 on a Saturday morning, and look at this, 35 degrees outside as well. It's going to be a great-looking day outside for gardening. If you have a question, 404-872-0750. David is out in Tucker, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, David, good morning. 
Yes, sir, Walter. Uh, I had someone uh, up in North Georgia uh, recommend Joe Pye weed to me, which I'd never heard of, yeah. but he said uh, if I uh, ameliorated the soil properly down here, uh, he thought it would do okay and see what you thought of that. And also uh, uh, wanted to amend my uh, other mention I made to Ashley. I think it was a honeycomb variety uh, butterfly bush that yeah. grows up to seven feet in like a couple of years but yeah, might yeah. get really scraggly wondered what you thought about that <laughs> all right first joe pie weed gorgeous beautiful plant you're not going to be disappointed in joe pie weed not only is it a gorgeous beautiful plant but it comes in a couple of varieties one is tall and one is small so there's joe pie weed just regular eupatorium regular stuff that gets about six or seven maybe feet tall and in some gardens david that's going to be way big but there's another one called little joe that only gets about three maybe feet tall both of them are magnets for butterflies Boy, you will not see more butterflies on any plant, including the butterfly bush, in your landscape if you plant Joe Pye weed. They just love it. It blooms late in the summer, probably starting around late July, August in there. And you'll really like it. Purple flowers, uh, you know, just a great plant. So go get some Joe Pye weed. Doesn't particularly, I don't think, need much amendment of the soil. Mine, you know, grows fine in the place that I've got it. I don't think I did much to get ready for it. And then it's for the honeycomb or honeycrisp or honey, honey whatever. Um, butterfly bush has yellow flowers on it, which is interesting. Interesting to have a yellow-flowered butterfly bush. It does get pretty big, but like all butterfly bushes, it does best if you cut it back in January February to about 18 inches high. And so that'll keep it from getting really tall and scraggly. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, two very nice plants. I mean, the butterfly bush, great plant. Joe Pye weed, great plant. The name comes from a supposed Native American uh, guy who would travel around named Joe Pye, and he would make medicine and poultices and things like that out of this weed that he gathered on the on the highways of the southeast, and some would you know cure illness and things like that. But for me, it cures my longing to have butterflies. It'll make a butterfly come from a mile away. All right. Well, it sounds like uh, I ran across some really good stuff. You got really good advice. It's great advice, David. I'm sure you'll find one and plant one and be happy with it for years to come. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir, for calling. We got 638 on a Saturday. We got Kelly. Kelly's out in Marietta. I said McDonough. In Marietta. Hey, Kelly. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, Kelly? I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty well. What's going on? Uh, We cut down about six pine trees. And we have picked up the mess, and now we have a mess of dirt. And we have put up some silkweed to keep it from running off, but we eventually won't grass. We were unsure about planting rye, Mm -hmm. because I don't want to plant it and then it die in the spring and summer. Well, it's going to do that anyway. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So So what do we put to keep so we can have grass instead of dirt? Rye. (laughs) <laughs> well, it depends. I, uh, it depends, Kelly. Um, is it, I'm assuming this is now full sun, right? Uh, it is. It's been a little shade, but not really. There's a, a large oak that's about um, 10 feet away that provides uh-huh. some shade occasionally. But All right. Well, you know, that does help to bend my recommendation for you because I think to be successful with Bermuda grass for a long time, it needs full sun. 
It'll eh, some Bermuda grass is a little more tolerant of shade, but I'm really going to aim you towards zoysia grass. And there are a number of zoysia sod varieties. There's at least one or two zoysia seeded varieties that you can plant from seed. But in neither case am I going to say plant them right now because I think they do better when it's warm. You plant the zoysia sod or seed when it's warm like in early May of this year. So what is Kelly going to do between February and May to keep the dirt on the ground? She's going to plant ryegrass. Ryegrass, okay. And that is going to, it'll be slow and hesitantly uh, germinating in the next two or th maybe three weeks. But if you get a couple of days, three or four days maybe, of 60-degree weather, like Kirk is forecasting for the next few, yeah, ryegrass will come up. It'll germinate. It'll germinate. Okay, so don't mix it. Don't but mix it, no. plant raw and know that it's going to die off. Now, well, do we wait gonna... for the rye to die off before we plant the zoysia, or is it okay that rye is still visible when we plant Well, because Kelly has listened to me before many times talking about how it's good to prepare the soil before you plant anything. Uh, Kelly is going to wait till the second, third week, maybe in April, as she's preparing to get her zoysia planted, and she's going to take all that ryegrass that's come up and till it in real good and then rake it off real smooth, and then she's going to plant seed or plant sod, one or the other, in May. But the ryegrass just gets tilled up and you know mixed in with the underlying soil. Nothing I knew to. you would have the answer. I, man, I got the answer. Sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong. Most of the times they're <laughs> right. And for you, Kelly, I got a right answer. Zoysia side, May, ryegrass now. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much. You bet, Kelly. Thanks for calling. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take Kelly's place. Elaine is in Coming, Georgia, up in the northern uh, parts hi, of the world. Hey, Elaine. Good morning. Um, can you hold on just a minute? Why? Why do you want me to hold okay. on? What are you doing? Uh, I want to talk about my crepe myrtles, oh. that they're not, the trunk is not smooth like it should be anymore. Mm -hmm. It looks like it has little bumps all over it. Huh. And um, I was wondering what do you think that is? Oh, now that's intriguing. I love talking about things that... Can you hear I'm, me? Yes, I hear you quite well. Okay. So I... Let's talk about those bumps. How big are the bumps, Elaine? Um, I'd say about a dime size. And how far do they stick out of the trunk? All the way down. But how far and, do they come out? You know, out? I, I know that they're probably cutting my crepe myrtles wrong. I have this big knob on yeah. the top. Yeah. And um, it's, they're growing too high for I have it by my mailbox. Oh, I need to cut them. That's another question I had for you. But first of all, I want to know if this is a disease that have to that there have to be cut down. I'm going to bet not. And I know, Elaine, there are a number of people who listen to this show in this, this time of morning, the doctors and the nurses and the third shift people and the you know, folks who have to go or coming from work at this time of day, and they always play, what would Walter say? And there are other diagnosticians out there, <laughs> amateurs like me, who are thinking, no, what's going on is Elaine is pruning the top of her crepe myrtle so severely that it's causing the dormant buds underneath that point to try to struggle to sprout out, and that's causing the bumps on the trunk, and that's uh -huh. what's going on. That severe pruning that you have to do because it's planted in the wrong place is causing the bumps underneath. I don't think they're going to do any damage to the tree, not anything that you should worry about. 
I shouldn't worry about it? I'm not going to worry about it. I certainly don't want you to. No, you stop. <laughs> don't worry about it. Cut it out of your mind, Elaine. No worries about the crepe myrtle. No. Uh, now, can can I cut, like with those knobs, can I cut about two feet down because they're getting too big up there? Yeah, Elaine. No, well, that, that will well, not. What I really, really, really want you to do, and this may be way beyond the horse being out of the barn, but what I really want you to do is to pull up the existing crepe myrtle and plant one that's the right size that won't get so big that it has to be knobbed off at the top every year. You're going to have to continue to knob it off, and you can do it, Elaine. Any height is okay with me. The crepe myrtle is still going to sprout from that point, will bloom from that point. You'll have flowers, sure. But, boy, you're going to have year after year of ugly during the wintertime if you keep pruning it down like you're having to do now. So if you have a little bit of money to get somebody to come and pull the old one out, plant a new one in its place that's the right size, that is what you really ought to do. Cut it down to the right side? I don't mean cut it down. I mean pull it out. I mean to replace it. Replace it with one that's the right size. There are crepe myrtle varieties. In other words, get rid of those. Get rid of those because <laughs> there are some crepe myrtle varieties that are very small. They'll be perfect for the site you have. I know. I mean, they're beautiful, and, yeah, and my yeah, husband yeah, planted yeah, them, yeah. and of course he's gone now. But, yeah. um, you know, I, they're sentimental to me, but I know that they're just, it, and they're getting kind of ugly looking worse in this. And they're not yeah. going to get any prettier if Elaine keeps knocking them down with a chainsaw every year. No. Okay. Okay. I I just wanted your advice before I did anything, <laughs> and, and I really to, appreciate that. You don't have to I follow was, my I advice. I had a feeling I had to get rid of them. My advice <laughs> is worth the paper that's printed on. So basically, Elaine, you do not have to follow it if you don't want to. If that sentimental crepe myrtle is something that you remember from her life and death, and go ahead and leave it there. But the best advice, the best advice is to replace it. Get it out of there. We don't need it anymore. And it doesn't want to be chopped down anymore either. Jared is up in Auburn, Georgia, and joins us, or Auburn, Alabama, could be. Hey, Jared, where are you from? Auburn, Georgia. Auburn, Georgia. All right. How can I help, Jared? I got a question. Uh, I actually got two questions. Right. Um, the fescue, I bought a house last year. That's my first house, and they had relayed fescue saw down, yeah. but did not cut it. So when I moved in, it was probably a foot and a half tall, Wow! Okay. and I came in there and had to cut it. Well, what happened was part of the yard died, like the grass just died and went grow back. Um, it was kind of at the beginning of the summer. It was May. Right. Um, but I'm just trying to figure out when I need to reseed for the fescue. Um, let's say the time to reseed, I think, is going to be around the middle of March, Jared, so you have a couple of weeks to get your act together. One of the things that you'll really appreciate me saying and making you do is to rent or hire an aerator, somebody that can come out and poke a lot of holes in the ground to make a lot of places for those little fescue seed to get into the soil because that's how they'll germinate best. When they have really good seed-to-soil contact, that's what you want to do. Okay, yeah, I got an aerator. Uh, that's what I was planning on doing. I just didn't know exactly when to plant. Yeah. Um, my other question applies to it. I have uh, two huge oak trees out in my front yard, got it. and it gets a lot of shade. Um, but I'm going to be removing a couple of the trees, so it's going to be getting more sunlight. Good. Is that going to affect the fescue? 
only to the positive. <laughs> the fescue is going to be a lot happier in sun than it's going to be happy in that oak tree shade. The shade, for most of the situations I see, the shade of an oak tree is death on a cracker for fescue oh. because it's just too much shade. So by taking the oaks away, you're going to do some, I'm sure, um, um, stump grinding and things like that. Try to rake out as many of those stump chips as you can. But that would be the same thing. Middle of March on through the middle of April would be okay, but earlier better than later for planting your fescue. Go to my website if you need some details on how to prepare soil for new fescue planting or sod planting, either one at walterreeves.com and type the word calendars, calendars into the search line to get the calendar for fescue care. It's 648 on a Saturday morning. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, truck mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And you're listening to Scott Maxwell's first album that Scott ever purchased, Sausalito or something or other in there. Sausalito Summer Night from Diesel. Sausalito Summer Night. Very good. Now a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. A great weekend of gardening ahead of us, my friends. It's going to be in the 50s today, the 60s tomorrow. No rain in the forecast. What could be better for doing much of anything outdoors? Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Antonio is up and coming and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Antonio, good morning. Uh, good morning, Walter. What you got? Uh, I got plum tree, and two years ago I got fruit. Yeah. And last year I just I see the flowers, but I don't see any fruits in there. Ha. Huh. Uh, one thing, and this is not an uncommon thing with plums, Antonio, is just a late freeze. Sometimes if you have cold weather at the wrong time in the spring, it just freezes the blooms off and you have no fruit that year. So that's one thing to think about, worry about. You can't do anything about it, but <laughs> that is a common cause of no fruit on peaches and plums and cherries. Um, it's possible, too, sometimes there's a heavy rain, and rain will knock the flowers off and get them before they get pollinated. That's not often the case, but it can happen. Uh, in the newspaper this week, I had a question from a lady who said she had a sweet gum tree. And the sweet gum trees, in her, she had two or three. None of them had sweet gum balls this year, and she wondered why that was. And I gave her the same answer, that it could be a freeze, could be a hard rain, could be something that knocked the flowers off. But honestly, Antonio, if you want to ensure at least blooms this year, fertilize now a little bit and then more after the tree gets up and has lots of leaves on it in early summer. And what that does is it helps the tree to build reserves for next year, 2017. But that's okay. how you make it help, it's, help it to bloom is by building up more reserves, more leaf surface, the more leaves you have, the more flowers you have. In 2017, you'll have lots of plums. All right. Thank you, Walter, for your help. Thanks, Antonio, for your call. We'll see you soon. All right. Take care. Bye. Comes now at 6.57 on a Saturday morning. Harold in Douglasville wants to know how to cut back his pear tree. I'll tell you what my dad would do about his pear trees. Joseph in Marietta wants to know about a special tree for a wedding ceremony. I love this. I love doing a little marital... Um, marital bliss counseling shall we say so we'll work on that a little bit too if you have a question about gardening or not gardening or whatever you want to talk about in the outdoors 404-872-0750 we'll be back to more lawn and garden right after news